the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Dennis Prager here. Thanks for listening to the Daily Dennis Prager Podcast. To hear the entire three hours of my radio show, commercial-free, every single day, become a member of PragerTopia. You'll also get access to 15 years' worth of archives, as well as the daily show prep. Subscribe at PragerTopia.com. to Cleveland. I'm just Cleveland Rock anymore. I'm doing my level best to make Cleveland Rock. I can promise you that. Does Cleveland Rock anymore? Uh, I don't know. I guess that's a question for the dwindling population. Dwindling, dwindling population in my home area. I'm from a suburb outside of Cleveland, but uh, dwindling, dwindling population, uh, completely understaffed and underfunded police department, rising crime. I don't know. We try to make it rock, but there are some problems here like there are in many other big cities in this great country of ours. Welcome. My name is Bob France, sitting in for Dennis Prager in the ReliefFactor.com studios of AM 1420. The answer here in uh, the what we like to call the Great North Coast sometimes as well, on the uh, north coast of Ohio, the southern coast of actually Lake Erie. And uh, it's so good to be with you as I uh, always enjoy the opportunity to speak with and learn from the incredibly intelligent, educated, intellectual audience of the great Dennis Prager. It's a pleasure to be here. We'll open up the phone lines right away at 8 Prager 776. That's 877-243-7776 because we've got to figure some things out. We've got to figure some things out about presidential politics this morning. I started talking about this with my local audience in Northeast Ohio. And I want to bring this to the wonderful Dennis Prager national audience, and that is the question. Are you prepared to do what the Democrats do? Now, normally, ordinarily, I would not suggest to you that we want to do what the Democrats do. Because what the Democrats do, in my humble opinion, is often very um, demonic. I oftentimes replace the C in Democrat with an N. Because when you do so, you come up with demon rats. And I think that's what most of them are, or at least what they have devolved over the course of time into. I wouldn't ordinarily tell you to do what the Democrats do, but if we are going to defeat Democrats and save this republic, which is kind of teetering right now, you know, it's kind of a it's kind of a precipice, and it, it, we can either we can either fall back to land and save ourselves or fall over the edge never to be heard from again. We have to defeat the Democrats, and to do that, we have to do what Democrats do. Now, what do Democrats do? What do they do well? When it comes to presidential politics in particular, what they do well is when they find their person 
they rally. They rally, they surround, they, they uh, 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 create a, a perimeter, if you will, that is not to be breached. They coalesce and circle the wagons. And how many other ways can I say that? Around their candidate, making sure that their candidate is going to get every one of the 75 or 80 million votes that they have coming to them. There's nobody in the Democrat Party, nobody of note, nobody of substance, and certainly no people who are not of note or of substance but are of of, of great number, that say, if Joe Biden is not my nominee, if he is not the nominee of my party, I'm voting for the Republican. Nobody's doing that. Nobody. There's nobody in the Democrat universe that is saying, if Joe Biden doesn't run and Kamala Harris doesn't get elevated to the position of nominee for president, I'm voting for the Republican. Nobody is saying that about Gavin Newsom. Nobody, if the Democrat, when the Democrats pick their nominee, every Democrat will support them. That's just the reality of it. They're very, very unified. It's kind of, it's kind of um, what I would call a little bit of a dichotomy here, because there's some good and there's some bad with that. The good is that again, they're very, very uh, unified. Eventually, once they settle on their nominee, there's they they bury the hatchet, they erase you know hard feelings, uh, bad will becomes goodwill, and so on and so forth. The bad side of that, of course, is they are slaves. To groupthink. That's one thing I love about being a conservative <clears throat> is being diverse of thought. You know, diversity only matters to the practitioners of DIE, which is diversity, inclusion, and equity. It only matters to them when it comes to diversity of characteristics, things like skin color, sex, or gender. They have no interest whatsoever in diversity of thought of ideas. They are very much slaves to groupthink. Willing, part not even slaves, they're willing participants in the groupthink. But they do it so well that it helps them um, in virtually every election, particularly in modern elections. Now, why am I saying we need to emulate that? Why am I saying we need to be like Democrats? Well, the reason why is because I've discovered and stumbled across some very disturbing messaging coming from conservative Republicans on places like Twitter and social media. And we have people that are so entrenched in one particular candidate, and they're so invested in that candidate's campaign that they are literally saying the opposite of what the Democrats do. They are saying, if it isn't my guy, I'll vote for the Democrats. They're online. They're all over the place. If it isn't my guy, I'm voting for the Democrat or I'm sitting the election out in 2024. I will not vote for anybody but my guy. Now, if that sounds like delusional, polluted thinking to you, you're right. It is. It's very delusional and it is very polluted and it's very dangerous because it threatens to give control of our republic to the other party for another four years to literally dissect and destroy that republic, to replace it with some sort of globalist uh, tool, if you will, for the global elites. 
our republic is in the balance, and we have people saying if it isn't on the conservative side of the of the uh, of the spectrum, they're saying if my guy doesn't win, I'm going to vote for the other side or I'm going to sit it out. That's just dangerous. Doesn't begin to describe it. But you know who so, who these people all are? They're the opposite of never Trumpers. But they're just as dangerous. They're the only Trumpers. I spent the entire morning talking about this to Cleveland listeners, and I want to find out how you feel about this. Only Trumpers are just as dangerous to the the nation and the protection thereof as never Trumpers. You see, never Trumpers, I think we can all agree, are the most closed-minded delusional individuals, particularly those who are of voting age, that we have in this country. What what kind of a closed mind says that never, under any circumstances, will I vote for Donald J. Trump? And this didn't just happen since, you know, controversies um, were, were, you know, were, were brought to bear during his term. There were never Trumpers the minute he walked down the golden escalator in 2015, remember? Hard to believe that's been eight years now. But in the summer of 2015, when he first made his announcement, there was a massive movement in the Republican Party, not massive, there was a significant movement in the Republican Party that that literally, and I remember the National Review article that they ran on the whole thing, never Trump. We will never support that guy. We'll never vote for that guy. No matter how conservative he is, no matter what kind of a platform he espouses, no matter what kind of of, of sincere attempt to, to work the the swamp in Washington D.C. to drain it, to, to to break up the establishment of rhinos that essentially carry the Republican where they they wear the Republican uh, lapel pin, but they actually govern like Democrats. No matter how much he tries to do that, we're never Trump. That's you talk about the most closed-minded thinking you can ever have. That's what it is, and that's why I despise and I abhor never Trumpers. But what we are observing now as we head into this new presidential cycle is we're seeing the birth of only Trumpers. Only Trumpers who say, I don't care how conservative another guy in our primary is. I don't care how brilliant another guy or girl or female or whatever in our, in our, uh, in our uh, primary is. If it isn't my guy, Donald J. Trump, 45, I'm voting for the Democrat. If it isn't my guy, I'm sitting the election out. In either case, you hand control of the republic to the people who want to destroy the republic. You literally hand the Democrats the country. We have to discuss this. We have to address this. And we will. Bob France sitting in for Dennis Prager. We'll be back. Every day when I pass a mirror, I still can't believe it. It's me. I'm looking back at myself. I never thought I'd be this fit again. But 42 pounds ago, I decided to take control of my health. And with the help of my PhD weight loss and nutrition, I'm so glad I did. The program is simple. Dr. Ashley Lucas and her amazing team customize a plan for your body to make it simple. They even provide 80% of your food at no additional cost. They treat your entire person as one. Dr. Ashley believes that all change starts with the mind. 
She'll help you to change your behavior when it comes to food and think differently about food so you'll never gain the weight back. Give them a call right now at 864-644-1900 and they can answer all your questions. If I can do it, you can do it. 21 minutes past the hour. Welcome to the Dennis Prager Show. Bob France sitting in in Cleveland, Ohio, the ReliefFactor.com studios of my home base, which is AM 1420, The Answer. You can find that online at whkradio.com, whkradio.com. Phone lines are open to you here at 8 Prager 776-877-243-7776. I'm starting out today talking about presidential politics for one reason, really, and that's the announcement of Tim Scott. Tim Scott released a video, a very, very well-produced video, about three minutes and ten seconds, uh, announcing his exploratory committee for running for president, which means he's running for president. I watched it. I listened to it. I played it this morning for my audience. And you don't put that kind of time, that kind of money, that kind of production, that kind of uh, speech uh, together in a video to do everything that he did and not be running for president. Tim Scott's going to throw his hat in the ring, and he should. I like Tim Scott a lot. Uh, I've been talking about this for for about eight years now, really. Uh, he's He's got such an incredible future. He's what people like to call a rising star in Republican politics. So Tim Scott's name is going to be in that mix. Vivek Ramaswamy is already there. Nikki Haley is already there. Donald Trump is already there. Ron DeSantis is going to be there probably in a few months, sometime over the summer. And it's going to be a very crowded field. And there's going to be two different fields. Do you remember back... If you're a golf fan, back in the heyday of Tiger Woods in the late 90s and throughout the first uh, decade of this century, Tiger Woods was so good and he was so dominant. He was such just a, you know, a force of, of nature in golf that whenever a major, because he was winning majors at such an incredible rate, it's just impossible to fathom, truthfully. Whenever a major would come up and the betting lines would come out, you know, like, you know, people would put put money in Vegas. Now you can do it anywhere. You can gamble and do sports betting in Ohio and a lot of other places, too. But back then it was just Vegas, I guess. And uh, people would put money on individual golfers to win the tournament. But there was always an option of Tiger Woods or not Tiger Woods. Tiger Woods or the field, as it was called. Because he was so good that it was like you could get almost even money on him versus the other, you know, 100 participants in the event. You know, do you think it'll be Tiger or somebody other than Tiger? That's how dominant it was. Well, that's how I kind of view the Trump or the uh, Republican primary field with Donald Trump playing the role of Tiger Woods. And whether you think he's that good or not, as good as Tiger Woods was at golf in his heyday, well, that's a matter of opinion, obviously. But um, in terms of his popularity and the force of his personality and his fan base and his supporters from his first go around as president and those who supported him in his reelection campaign and like everybody else was screwed by uh, by by the theft of an election whether you think he's that great or not his his persona and his his numbers are and the support that he has from people who are just completely you know, unfailing in their loyalty to him is pretty incredible. So it's kind of like you have two different things here. You have Donald Trump or the field, like Tiger Woods versus the field. The Donald Trump side of that equation is, is like I said, loyal beyond belief, loyal beyond anybody's even comprehension. So loyal, in fact, that the people who believe this are willing to say, I'll take a Democrat 
over a Republican that's not Donald Trump. And it's it's mind-blowing to me. I believe that Tim Scott's entry and Ron DeSantis' eventual entry and Asa Hutchinson is in as well. I believe that all these people in the field that grow the field for people who say, I'm going to take the field instead of Donald Trump, but it takes it, and of course, and it, as we all well know how politics works, works it, uh, it's going to divide and split the anti-Trump or the, you know, it doesn't, it doesn't even have to be an anti. If you're a voter for, say, Haley or for, uh, you know, Tim Scott when he gets in or Ron DeSantis, it doesn't mean you're, quote, anti-Trump. It just means you may be ready for somebody new, a new face, a new start, whatever. But the people who are part of that field... The people who are part of the anybody else field is going to split. They're going to be split, and Donald Trump is going to have a very easy cakewalk to victories in Iowa and New Hampshire and all the way through the primary states and caucuses. And he's going to be the nominee. And I think it is almost a certainty at this point that is going to be the case. Donald Trump is going to be the nominee. Which brings us to the point that I want to make when I said we have to be more like Democrats. If you're going to be a a supporter of DeSantis... If you're going to be a supporter of Haley, if you're going to be a supporter of Tim Scott or anybody else in the primaries, I'm going to ask you what the moderators often ask candidates during debates. Will you commit to supporting the nominee, even if it's not your person, even if it's Donald Trump? And I can tell you right now that my hand is in the air as high as I can reach it. Absolutely, I will support Donald Trump to the ends of the earth, to beat any Democrat that they might throw up there because any Marxist demon rat, whether it be Joe Biden, Kamala Harris, Gavin Newsom, or anybody else, will destroy our republic. And I will absolutely, if Donald Trump is not my first choice, he will be, if he's our nominee. And I firmly believe that most supporters of the field in that equation that I just laid out for you will come around and say, yes, I will support enthusiastically our nominee, Donald Trump. My question is for the only Trumpers. Can you make the same pledge? Will you say, I support Donald Trump all the way in the primaries? And if he doesn't win the nomination, I will then shift my support to the nominee. Can you say that only Trumpers? Can you put aside your loyalty and your search for justice? Because I know that's where a lot of this comes from. A lot of the only Trumpers who are on Twitter today, and they're tweeting things like, if it isn't Donald Trump, I'm voting for the Democrat. If it isn't Donald Trump, I'm sitting it out. These individuals, in large part, are people who are just so infuriated by the injustice of it all in 2020 when Donald Trump had that election stolen from him. Stolen, cheated, robbed, rigged. Call it what you want. I believe that absolutely. I've seen enough of the evidence to know that that was not a legit result. I get that. You get that. I'm enraged. You're enraged. But... There's going to come a time if Donald Trump is not the nominee in 2024, and maybe it's not even because you know of a, a simple vote situation. Maybe the indictment in Manhattan, potential indictment in Georgia. I mean, there's a couple of other potential indictments looming. Maybe something happens where he just cannot run. Whatever that is, if Donald Trump is not the nominee, 
I'm begging only Trumpers to shed that label of being an only Trumper. Take that away and say to yourself, I'm going to be for America first, which is what President Trump started. I'm going to be for making America great again, which is what President Trump continues to try to do. And if he's not the guy that carries that mantle forward into 2024, that you will support the person who is. Do you understand the point here? We cannot allow the Democrats to unify and coalesce around their one person, whether it's Biden or not, and then splinter ourselves and say, well, if it isn't my guy, harumph, I'm going to stompy foot my way home and I'm not voting for anybody. You do that, we give up the nation. I want your calls on this at 8 Prager 776. Just when you thought it couldn't get any better, Mike Lindell with my pillow is launching the MyPillow 2.0. When Mike invented MyPillow, it had everything you could ever want in a pillow. Now, nearly 20 years later, he discovered a new technology that makes it even better. The MyPillow 2.0 has the patented adjustable fill of the original MyPillow, and now with a brand new fabric that is made with a temperature-regulating thread. The MyPillow 2.0 is the softest, smoothest, and coolest pillow you'll ever own. For my listeners, the MyPillow 2.0 is buy one, get one free offer with promo code Prager. MyPillow 2.0 temperature regulating technology is 100% made in the USA and comes with a 10-year warranty and a 60-day money-back guarantee. Just go to MyPillow.com and click on the radio listeners square to the buy one, get one free offer. Enter promo code Prager or call 800-761-6302 to get your MyPillow 2.0 now. Boy, I'll tell you what, that's good advice. That same Bobby Kennedy Jr., by the way, is the Bobby Kennedy Jr. that there are some in the only Trump camp that are are threatening to support and vote for uh, among Democrats. Uh, They won't vote for Biden. They won't vote for Kamala. But they are saying, looking at Twitter, uh, and admittedly that's anecdotal, but um, that they would support Bobby Kennedy Jr., Robert RFK Jr., over Uh, anybody in the Republican field that is not Donald Trump. That is what an only Trumper is, and that is dangerous and, quite frankly, destructive for this republic. And that's what we're talking about as I bring up presidential politics today. I cannot imagine, cannot imagine, handing the Democrats four more years to destroy this country and turn us into a globalist puppet. I cannot imagine that happening if we unify and coalesce around Donald Trump if he's the nominee, or around Ron DeSantis if he's the nominee, or around Tim Scott if he's the nominee, in the same way that the Democrats do. But if we splinter and say, nope, it's my way or the highway, it's my guy, or I'm stompy footing home and not voting at all, we lose. We lose. So that's what I meant when I said at the top of this broadcast that we will indeed have to act like Democrats in order to win in 2024. And that doesn't mean we adopt their values. It doesn't mean we adopt their ideology or we adopt their, their, their platforms. Not at all. But we have to support our uh, nominee the same way they are going to do theirs, the same way they have done theirs. We cannot allow only Trumperism or never Trump, or only Trumpism, I guess would be the way to say it, or never Trumpism to destroy this party and to destroy the conservative movement. So I welcome you at 8 Prager 776 877 We're going to go to the phones, and we're going to talk to Anthony first, who's calling us from Pennsylvania. Anthony, Bob France sitting in for Dennis. It's good to have you aboard. 
And for some reason, I can't seem to punch him up. So if we can punch him up for me, thank you very much, sir. Anthony, you're on the air. Go ahead, sir. Hey, Bob. How are you today? <laughs> I'm doing well. What's on your mind? Well, I think you're hitting the nail on the head. And what what, the, what scares me the most is there are folks who are willing to do a write-in for, for uh, our former President Trump. And while I agree with a lot of the things he's done, um, I think he was probably one of our greatest presidents we've ever had. Um, it divides the, it divides the vote you, you know and and that's you know we learned that in uh you know middle school on how political parties are divided um when they tear each other apart so if he's not the nominee of the republican party we need to be strong uh stronger than the democratic party uh and they're showing their their uh their ability to stand together uh by electing joe biden <laughs> so yeah they we'll, really we'll, are and to, to the point you just made, though, I don't know um, how it works for a federal election, but I know that in Ohio, um, you cannot be a write-in candidate if you were already a candidate in the primary. In other words, you're ineligible. If somebody wrote it in, it would be a non-vote. It would not count. And I know this because we had a gubernatorial race that was very acrimonious just this past November, actually the primary prior to that, because we've got a Democrat governor by the name of Mike DeWine who wears a Republican pin, but he acts like a Democrat. And many of us wanted to boot him in favor of Jim Renacci in the primary, who's a former congressman. So Jim Renacci had the same thing happened that we're talking about here. There was a split anti-DeWine vote in the state of Ohio. And so DeWine won the primary and was our nominee in the general election. And a lot of people said, well, I'm just going to write in Jim Renacci, um, you know, in the general. And what we found out and what we told people was is that at least in Ohio, you can't do that. You can't write in the name of somebody who lost in a primary. So I don't know if that's the same way federally, but I hope that people who are Trump supporters, if it comes down to it and he's not the nominee, which I do not believe will happen. I think he's going to be the nominee. But if he's not the nominee and they go ahead and write his name in, they might as well have just not voted because it wouldn't count anyway. Exactly. And that's that's the the message that needs to get cut, that, to go across is if you're going to willingly write in uh, anybody, you, you're essentially not casting a vote, period. And I don't think people understand right. that. No, I think you're exactly right. Thank you, my friend. Great phone call. Great points to start us off here in this conversation. Uh, thank you, Anthony. Listen. If President Trump wins, I want to make this very, very clear. I will trump up my truck. I've got a red truck. I will trump up my house. I'll trump up my signs. I'll trump up my social media pages. And I will be what I hope we all will be, and that is champions for our nominee. But what I want to know is if you are a Trump supporter, first and foremost, and he's not the nominee, will you do the same thing for the winner? Will you do the same thing for Ron DeSantis or Tim Scott or whomever it might be? Because if we're not willing to say that, we are automatically here in 2023 surrendering 2024 to the Democrats. We'll be back. 17 minutes before the top of the hour. Welcome once again to the Dennis Prager Show. I'm Bob France sitting in for Dennis live in the ReliefFactor.com studios here in Cleveland, Ohio. Phone lines are open at 877-243-7776. We're starting today talking about presidential politics. This isn't really presidential primaries because we're not there yet. Most of the candidates aren't even declared. 
But it's more of presidential positioning. It's presidential branding. Tim Scott just launched a, uh, an exploratory committee, put together a very, very highly produced and very well done video, by the way, highlighting his own career and his own personal life and his vision and so forth for this country. So it's kind of presidential branding and positioning right now, but it's kind of begging the question, will it be Donald Trump or will it be the field? There's going to be a field of candidates working very, very hard to usurp Donald Trump and become the Republican nominee. Most of them are going to split votes with one another, and Donald Trump is going to coast to the nomination, provided he's allowed to, given the fact that, again, we have all of these indictments, overstuffed Alvin in Manhattan, uh, stringing together and bootstrapping a bunch of misdemeanors and making them felonies with an unreported crime and all of this garbage that he is dealing with. He's going to deal with more garbage in Georgia as well. But for whatever reason, whatever that reason may be, by hook or by crook, if Donald Trump is not the nominee, will Donald Trump supporters in the primary turn around and support the actual nominee. If we don't unify that way, if every hand isn't in the air on a debate stage that says, will you support the nominee? And if every hand isn't in, isn't in the air among millions of people listening to the Dennis Prager show saying, I will, I'll support the nominee if it's Trump or if it's DeSantis or if it's Scott or whatever, I'll do it. If we don't have every hand in the air, we lose. And America loses. 877-243-7776. That's 8-Prager-776. Let's go to, uh, how about Cherry Hill, New Jersey? That's where Pete is waiting on the Dennis Prager Show. Hey, Pete, it's Bob in for Dennis. Go ahead, sir. Hi, how are you doing? Uh, I'm I'm an ever-Trumper. And uh, I believe, I I voted for Trump every time, and I knew I was going to vote for him, even if before he ran. If he, if he said he was going to run, I knew he was going to be my candidate. That being said, uh, we're fighting, like I've, I've heard other people say, and I've believed this for a long time, we're fighting evil. We're fighting to save this country from the Democrats. And even though I am as big as a Trump supporter come, I will back the Republican Party uh, for the nominee uh, for the next election to defeat the Democrats. And I think it's everybody's obligation, who's a Republican and conservative, to do the same. See, that you just proved yourself to be more than a Trump supporter or an always Trumper or only Trumper. You proved yourself to be an American first. And that's, you know, what's funny is President Trump's mantra has been, since he first became a candidate back in 2015, has been America first. We're not putting other, you nope. know, I, I love his, I loved his statement shortly after he became president when he said, I'm the president of Pittsburgh, not Paris. Uh, so, so America has to come first. And sadly, far too many of them, at least judging by their statements on social media, are saying it's Trump first, America second. If my guy doesn't win the nomination, then the hell with you all. I'm not voting or I'm actually going to vote for the Democrat because I'm so mad. Those people aren't America first. Those people, Donald Trump, I would suspect, uh, w- would be very disappointed in. He would tell them, no, don't do that. I hope anyway, because America has to come first, right? Yes, most definitely. Well, you've proven that with your statement here. I thank you, Pete, for that call from New Jersey. Appreciate that. Let's go to um, Dan is calling us from Minnesota. uh, Let's see. It's Grover Heights or Grove Heights, if I have it right. Oh, Invergrove Heights. I can't read that small font on my screen. Welcome, Dan. Go ahead, sir. My friend. Hi, Bob. Yeah, so... uh, Look, I, I love President Trump. I mean, you know, I voted for him. I'd vote for him in a heartbeat. I'd support him a thousand percent if he was the guy. 
the thing uh, that concerns me is he energizes the left in the in the wrong direction. And uh, you know, a lot of the a lot of the talk on conservative radio, notwithstanding Seb Gorka or or Officer Tatum, is that uh, you know it's he, he's, he'll win the he'll win the Republican primary easily, but not the general because of what happened in 2020. They'll they'll just do it again. And uh, you know, I think if we get like a Tim Scott, and then uh, they'd be a, anybody who, who who's a newbie to the presidency would 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 be foolish not to draw. On President Trump's uh, experience, knowledge, and connections, you know, to help move this country, turn it around. Uh, you know, I, I, even though, look, I know President Trump could do more in four years than a new, a new, a newbie to the presidency could do in eight. But how do you get him in? I, you know, I just don't know if we could, if we could counter the left's antipathy to to, to President Trump. It's, it's like yeah. you know, it's like uh, like they say, Trump derangement syndrome. You know, exactly. It's, it's so, exactly yeah. that. He he yeah. inspires a level of hatred and disdain for uh, for himself, unlike anybody I've ever seen. I used to say that about George Bush before uh, President Trump ever came along. What the left did to George Bush and how much he enraged them is unlike anything I had ever seen before in my lifetime. And now that Donald Trump has come along, it makes the you know, they treated Bush with kid gloves comparatively. Uh, right. They would steal, yeah. Yeah. they would lie, they would cheat to stop him from getting in office again. I completely agree exactly. with that. So yeah. it kind of begs it kind of begs this question, and thank you for the call, Dan. I appreciate that. It kind of begs this question too. <clears throat> when it comes to the um, the ridiculous, in my view, uh, indictment of Donald Trump by overstuffed Alvin uh, in Manhattan, um, there's a debate in conservative circles as to what the intent is. If you are a big champion of President Trump. You believe that they're doing this to stop him from running because they know they can't beat him. They're trying to stop him. He's the biggest threat. He's the leader of the opposition party. So we're going to trump up these ridiculous, you know, reporting errors or m- reporting missteps about payments to Stormy Daniels and blah, blah, blah. And, and they're doing this because they're afraid of him. If you're not in that camp, there are many who believe that the Democrats are playing a game of chess of their own here. And that they know that indicting him on such shoddy charges is going to generate so much support. They raised like $11 million in two weeks since the indictment, the Trump campaign has. They know that the support is going to grow so much that the anger in the conservatives for what they're doing to Trump is going to be so strong that they're going to make sure he wins, which is what they want, because he's the easiest to beat. There is a strong belief in a lot of uh, political circles, including some conservative circles, that Trump is the strongest candidate in the primary field, but he's the easiest to beat in a general election because he's not going to bring moderates along with him. He's going to have his base and no moderates are going to be swayed in his direction. Which of those two camps are you in? What do you believe their intention is with overstuffed Alvin's indictment of President Trump? We'll be back. Okay, six minutes before the top of the hour. Bob France sitting in for Dennis Prager. Good to have you aboard. I'm live in Cleveland, Ohio. My home base is AM 1420, The Answer. If you're looking for it, if you want to listen other times, it's whkradio.com. So we're going to talk more in the next hour about this presidential race as well, and uh, and we'll continue on the topic that we are doing. I'm a, I'm a, a guy that is very, very open to change right now. I am as infuriated and enraged as any other conservative that Donald Trump had his second term stolen from him. It was illegal. 
It was it was rigged. It was all of those things. I would like justice to be served, too. I would like him to get in again just to shove it straight up their noses. I really would. But I am also of a mind that I want to get things done. And I know that the obstruction that the Democrats throw at Donald Trump is unlike anything they've ever done to anybody else and ever will again. It would be very, very hard. Probably there would be at least two more motions for impeachment in, in a second term, just like there was in the first. They'll do anything they can to stop him and whatever agenda he has. I'm open to change, but what I am trying to get across here is that while Donald Trump might not be my very first choice at this moment in time in, in April of 2023, I will champion him if he's our nominee. And I hope everybody who is in the Trump camp that is their first choice right now will champion Ron DeSantis if he's the nominee and will not listen to what Donald Trump has done or said himself to Ron DeSantis or about Ron DeSantis in this. It's not even a primary phase right now because DeSantis is not a declared candidate. We're still nine months away from the Iowa primaries. We're still, you know, six months away from any debates, all of those kinds of things. But he's already branding Ron DeSantis as being a a somebody who's going to slash Social Security and Medicare, somebody who's a groomer because he took pictures with his high school students back when he was a 23-year-old teacher. Uh, all of these things that he has done, I'm not a fan of that. I'm not a fan of the way he's treated Ron DeSantis. He's been nicer to Gavin Newsom, the far-left Marxist failed governor of Blue State, California, than he is to Ron DeSantis, the super-uber-conservative, America-first uh, champion of the great red state of Florida. I got a problem with that. But I will still be a huge champion of his if he's our guy. It's the only way we can win. And the only way it's going to work is if people who are for President Trump in this particular situation will do the same thing for whomever wins. So that's kind of been the theme of this. Now, the real big question we're going to address after the top of the hour coming up here is what it's going to take to win no matter who we run. Because the Democrats, the left, they're putting all of their stock in Gen Z. They're putting their stock in the newly 18 and 19 and 20, 21, 22-year-old first-time voters in 2024. They are carrying, or they are expecting the Gen Zers to carry them to victory. What will Republicans have to do to win the Gen Z vote? We're going to address that coming up, as well as more of your phone calls in hour number two of The Dennis Prager Show. Hi, everyone. If you've been injured in an accident that was not your fault, listen up. We have legal professionals standing by to answer your questions for free. Call now and find out if you have a case and how much it's potentially worth. Call 800-702-5400. I'm here with spokesman John Wolf. So, John, tell everyone listening who should call right now. Well, Maria, first off, thank you for having me here. It's always nice to answer the listeners' questions. Now, as far as who should call in... Anyone who's been injured in an accident and think you deserve compensation, give us a call right now. 800-702-5400. You'll find out if you have a case and how much it's potentially worth. Thanks, John. You heard it, folks. Take advantage of this opportunity and call now. 800-702-5400. Advertisement sponsored by Legal Help Center may not be available in all states.
Boy, you are energetic today. My goodness, the phone lines just jammed up and haven't stopped since we started. I guess that's what happens when you talk about either the survival or the destruction of the greatest nation in the history of human civilization. And that is what is at stake. Welcome. Hour number two is underway now. Bob France sitting in for uh, Dennis Prager. So happy to be here. I love talking to Dennis's folks. We replayed, by the way, an interview that I did with Dennis on his book, The Rational Bible, on uh, Good Friday. And uh, I had people texting me and saying, ask him this, ask him that, ask him this. And I had to respond and say, it's not live. This is Good Friday. <laughs> Salem takes Good Friday and officers, it offers it, obviously, as a holy day for all of our employees. This is a recorded interview. People love hearing Dennis talking about the Bible and, obviously, about um, about so many things, but particularly matters of faith. Uh, so I love talking to his audience. I just have a great relationship, and I'm so glad to be here. Uh, home base is WHK Radio in Cleveland, Ohio, AM 1420, The Answer. You can check it out at whkradio.com. I'm on right before Dennis every day, 9 to noon right here in cleveland so i want to go back um and if you're on hold bear with me i like i said tons of people on the whole on the phone lines right now i'm going to come to you as quickly as i can but i want to hit something here because this is important whether we uh, coalesce around our candidate or not and we better which is my point at the top of the last hour i said we need to be more like democrats and before you go flipping your gasket and turning off your radio, all I meant was Democrats are going to unify around their nominee, whether it's Joe Biden for another four years of dragging his decrepit corpse around and pretending that it's alert and awake like Weekend at Bernie's, or whether they hand it off to Kamala Harris, which is so cringeworthy I can't describe it to you, or whether they give it to the greasy uh, Gavin Newsom, and I'm going to talk about him in a while, they're going, to suit, they're going to completely surround him with support. They'll throw hundreds of millions of dollars at his campaign, and they'll do everything they can, and there will be no Democrat who says, well, if it isn't Joe, I'm not voting. Or if it isn't Joe, I'm not, or I'm going to vote for the Republican." But yet on the Republican side, I read them every day on Twitter, there are people who are Trump supporters who say, if it isn't Donald, I am not voting. Or if it isn't President Trump, I am voting for the Democrat. I have seen them say that. I've read it. Understand? We can't do that. But now, assuming we do, like the Democrats do, surround our our candidate with support, whether you started out as a Trump supporter in the primaries or not, if he's the guy, you do everything you can to get him elected. And if it isn't him, you do everything you can. We're going to have to win Gen Z votes. There's uh, an article, in fact, a couple of them that came out toward the end of last week that I want to share. In fact, I read this first one on Monday. This is from the Washington Examiner. Biden enlists hundreds of social media influencers for upcoming reelection bid. In other words, they're going to partner with these young bubbleheads on TikTok and on Instagram that have this massive following among young bubble-headed kids, and they're going to pay them money to tell their kids or to tell those kids to vote for Joe Biden again. They're going to pay them money to lie about Biden's record and make it try to try to make it look good. And these young bubble-headed kids follow the young bubble-headed kid influencers, and they say, okay, and they're all in. They're all on board. And this is reality. If you don't think that this is the social media influencer aspect of this is real, all you have to do is look at the trans movement. All you have to do is look at Dylan Mulvaney 
Who's Dylan Mulvaney? Dylan Mulvaney is the face that you cannot get off of your screen because he is everywhere. Dylan Mulvaney is a little feminine dude who uh, dresses up in dresses, sometimes dresses up in the attire of a six-year-old girl, but he says he's a woman or a girl or whatever it is on the day, and he lives his life 24-7 in front of his cell phone camera. I mean, everything he does is recorded. It's like the Truman Show. Remember the old Jim Carrey movie? Except that one, he didn't know that he was on camera 24-7 as the world watched him. This Dylan Mulvaney guy does. And Dylan Mulvaney, this is the guy um, that, that says he's a girl that Joe Biden invited to the White House to do an interview with him. Remember this from last year? So you can't get him off. This is the guy that is killing Bud Light. Because Bud Light... Anheuser-Busch, for some ridiculously unknown reason, put this Dylan Mulvaney dude's face on their cans as a part of inclusiveness. And Bud Light drinkers and Budweiser drinkers and Anheuser-Busch product drinkers all over America are turning it off now and, and, and dumping it out, rather. But you can't get this person's face off of your screen. And the reason why endorsers are giving money... This is a biological male who has a male chest which means he does not have breasts, but yet got an endorsement contract from Nike to promote sports bras. That's how influential some of these online influencers can be. Corporations pay them money to sell messages that they're wholly unqualified to sell. That same influencer, Dylan Mulvaney, does not have ovaries, does not have eggs, does not have fallopian tubes, nor a uterus, nor a vagina, yet has an endorsement contract and makes thousands of dollars every month to sell tampons. Wait, what? Yeah. Corporations recognize the influence that even freak shows, who are social media influencers who get millions, and this is how they decide to pay them, millions of impressions, meaning they've been seen X number of times. Whether people like it or dislike it is irrelevant. They get seen millions of times, and based on those numbers of social media impressions, um, they pay them to promote and hawk their products. Even, like I said, if it's a biological male who cannot menstruate, um, <laughs> endorsing Tampax. So all of that is to say this. These are the people that Joe Biden is reaching out to to promote his agenda and his platform for re-election. These social media influencers on these, um, on these platforms really impact young kids, and that's who they're targeting is young voters. The first-time voters at 18 next year or 19 or 20, the ones who weren't allowed to vote in the last presidential election, whatever the case might be, these are the Gen Zers that they're targeting. And you can see it already. There's already some of these influencers on TikTok and on Twitter and on Instagram literally already promoting Biden's messaging. The campaign has started already. So I bring all of that up to ask you this. What do we do to reach out to the Gen Zers? How do we turn that around? We don't have influencers who do such things. We don't have their attention in the classrooms, not at the university level, not at the high school level. Not at the middle school level, not even at the primary level where they are already indoctrinating. Hell, let's be honest. We don't even have their attention when they're in preschool because the Internet is filled with these freak show 
element, I mean, uh, pre, uh, preschool teachers and daycare providers with the nose rings and the, and the rainbow hair, and they're on there talking about how they are sexualizing children, teaching them as long as they can talk, if they're three years old, four years old, as long as they can talk, they're talking to them about finding out who they are and what they are and whether they want to be a boy or a girl. They're already trying to confuse them at the youngest ages. So what do we do? How do we get a part of Gen Z to pay attention to reality? And how, how deep is the problem? Because if the media is going to continue to promote and perpetuate Democrat lies and Joe Biden's record of failure as a record of success, that's traditional media. If social media is going to do the same thing, and TikTok and Instagram influencers are going to do the same thing, And college professors and high school teachers and junior high teachers are all going to do the same thing. How do we ever win Gen Z over? And the answer, my friends, is going to have to come. And this is, you don't want to hear this. I know you don't want to hear this. But it's going to have to come from you. Mom, dad, grandma, grandpa. You're going to have to put in more work than you ever put in before, ever. Because you're going to have to do the job of learning what they are being influenced by online. What are they being influenced by in their schools? What are they being influenced by in the mainstream media? What are they being influenced by at their university uh, courses? And then you're going to have to say, this is what they're teaching you. This is the other side of the story. We're all going to have to be Paul Harvey and tell the rest of the story. We're going to have to tell the reality, the truth to your kids. And these kids simply were outnumbered. But we're going to have to work harder than ever before. We'll be right back. 21 minutes past the hour. Thanks for being with us on the Dennis Prager Show. Bob France sitting in for Dennis in the ReliefFactor.com studios here in Cleveland, Ohio. So I want to... um, Go back into this, and then we'll start taking more phone calls on um, on Gen Z. Gen Z is being targeted by the American left uh, for obvious reasons, and by Joe Biden, according to multiple multiple reports. And they're going to use TikTok influencers and Instagram influencers and all these online airheads and strange DIE proponents and so on and so forth to try to get all these indoctrinated kids to come out and vote Biden or vote Democrat. And the question is, is how deep is the problem and what can be done about it? Trey Gowdy on his Fox program on Sunday addressed this with a reporter from the uh, Washington Examiner, among others. And I want you to listen to this so that we can react to it together. I think the Republican Party would be kidding itself if they did not also acknowledge that there is a there's a message problem, not just the manner of communication, but there may be a message problem. What do you think? You agree or disagree? Yeah, I think it's actually deeper than that. I think that um, it really comes down to a difference in cultural values. And I think that the best way to look at this is actually to look at a recent Wall Street Journal survey that found that values like patriotism, religion, hard work, community, family are all on the down. They're, they're decreasing in importance, especially among younger generations compared to past generations. And there are two reasons for this, I think. There are, um, you know, the education system is one of them. And then the culture is another one where young adults have been flooded with liberal values in the education system and pop culture, in the entertainment industry, on social media, as Emma mentioned. 
um, where these values of religion and culture and things like that, where conservatives tend to prioritize those, they're no longer being emphasized in the in the spaces where young adults generally are, are dominant. And so this is really a difference in values. So it's not even just so much as the message as it is um, finding a way to bridge the gap and what's important to young adults and what's important to conservatives. So... <clears throat> The reporter there from the Washington Examiner who just talked about that did a lot of good and a lot of bad all at the same time. And I want to just see how you feel about this. Is it the message or is it the method of delivery? She started to say that the problem is much deeper than that. It's the messaging. And I disagree. I think our conservative messaging is just fine. Our messages are the right messages. Moreover, they are the righteous messages. They are the messages that helped us build the greatest civilization in the history of humankind. They are the messages that told us and that we, that we took and that we shared and we spread and we passed down that said that the building block, the foundation of any great civilization has to be the nuclear family. That men and women, and there are only two genders, two genders, that men and women connect, get married, raise children, in the same exact image with the same exact values on family and education and faith. And then they sent those children off into their adult lives to find their own man or woman and to bear children and repeat the process. That that fundamental building block is, is, is what we have always relied upon. Our messages about faith, about freedom, about, about true liberty, true liberty, um, and and about um, uh, family unification are the right messages. Those aren't the issue here. The issue is the method of delivery. We can't deliver those messages anymore because of the things, and this is what she said that was good, because they control the education system. And the education system, from as I said earlier, from preschool through university level, even into graduate school and law schools, you saw what happened at Stanford, Right? The educational system is teaching them the exact opposite of that. There is no man and woman. You can be what you want to be. It's malleable. It's, it's, you, know, you can be versatile. It's a spectrum of what you can be, sometimes male, sometimes female. You don't have to pair with male and female. And if you do pair with male and female and you have babies, you don't have to be married. You don't even have to raise them. And on it, you don't even have to give birth to them if you get pregnant. You can just go ahead and just kill them. They are controlling the method of delivery of the messaging, and that's why the messaging is a problem. They control it at the school level. They control it at the mainstream media level. They control it at the social media level. Um, And so it's not about reaching Gen Z with the messaging being the issue. We have the right messaging. We can convince them if we didn't have the exact opposite messages being pushed by the controllers of the flow of information in the schools and in the social media realm. That's why I'll go back to Dylan Mulvaney again. They put this dude, this little femme dude, on a, on a can of Bud Light, all for inclusion, inclus- inclusiveness or inclusion, if you will, and diversity, um, and, because they realize that even if people don't like this guy, even if people are sick and tired of seeing this guy pretend to be a girl, he reaches millions of people with his impressions online. And so we want to reach millions of people. We want to sell more beer. We're going to put this face on there. Even if people don't like it, they'll be aware of it, and they'll say, hey, Bud Light. Now, I think they miscalculated because they're losing sales. They're in huge decline. 
Supporters of actual our messaging, the values I was talking about, like country music stars are dropping Bud Light from their sponsor list. They're not selling it at their concerts. They're not letting it be part of their tours and so on and so forth. But this is how the Biden administration is doing it. They're modeling their their reach out to Gen Z after what some of these corporations are doing by reaching out to the influencers like Dylan Mulvaney. In fact, let me play one more video for you. This is the vice president of something or other at Bud at Budweiser at Anheuser Busch, explaining why they chose to take a, a, a little feminine dude named Dylan Mulvaney and and stick him on a Bud. Oh, I've only got a minute here. I can't do this here. We'll play it on the other side. Um, but um, she'll explain why they decided to take this little dude that nobody wants to see anymore because he's living his life like the Truman Show and making you watch everything and going on camera and telling you, you know, um, I'm a little worried because um, my period was late. And he's doing this unironically. Seriously. He's a male. He cannot menstruate. And he's saying these things, and people are watching and flocking to it. And those who are disgusted by it, of course, are the ones who are not drinking Bud Light anymore. But we're going to talk more about this and talk about why it is the Biden administration and campaign is reaching out to these types of people after this. Okay. It's 27 minutes before the hour. Bob France sitting in for Dennis Prager. We'll come back to your phone calls after we watch this. I'm a businesswoman. Mm-hmm. I had a really clear job to do when yeah. I took over Bud Light. And it was, this brand is in decline. It's been in decline for a really long time. And if we do not attract young drinkers to come and drink this brand, there will be no future for Bud Light. So I had this super clear mandate. It's like, we mm-hmm. need to evolve and elevate this incredibly iconic brand. And my, what I brought to that was a belief in okay, what, is, what, do, what does evolve and elevate mean? It means inclusivity. It means shifting the tone. It means having a campaign that's truly inclusive and feels lighter and brighter and different and appeals to women and to men. Mm-hmm. And representation is at sort of the heart of evolution. You've got to see people who reflect you in the work. And we had this hangover. I mean, Bud Light had been kind of a brand of fratty, kind of out of touch humor and it was really important that we had another approach (laughs) um i hadn't really watched all of that before i saw a little clip of it before but um this first time i saw it start to finish just a couple of quick points on that so bud light decided that the best way to expand sales is to attract young drinkers and by being more inclusive. Um, Apparently they didn't bother to stop and ponder for just a moment. If their inclusivity of people who look like Dylan Mulvaney was going to be a priority, they were going to exclude virtually everybody who hates people like Dylan Mulvaney. And when I say hate, not because he is a disturbed, very, very disturbed, psychologically impaired individual with gender dysphoria who needs support and therapy and psychological counseling, not endorsement contracts pretending to be a woman needing sports bras and tampons. 
If they are inclusive of this crowd, they are going to be exclusive of the real beer-drinking crowd. And the numbers bear that out already. Number two, we needed it to be lighter and brighter because that's what a good, you know, a, a hard way. Think about who the, the core beer drinkers in America are. A guy getting off the, off the job, coming home from the plant. Coming home from, um, you know, wherever it is that they do their hard work and they want to crack open a cold one. The one thing they're really kind of missing is brighter and lighter with rainbows and drag queens on the on the can. You really thought that was going to somehow help you sell more beer. Honestly, if you're targeting the Dylan Mulvaney crowd and you're saying, well, we need to we need to sell more beer. You got to understand those people are never buying Bud Lights anyway. Those people are buying the little foofy seltzers. They're buying the little alcoholic seltzers, the Trulies, and the, I can't remember the names of these things. Uh, the, one, one of them is a claw, 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 white claw, white claw, white claw. Though, the Dylan Mulvaney's are drinking the little white claws. They're not drinking the Bud Lights. And having his face plastered on that can is only going to drive the guy in the hard hat the hell away over to Miller Lite. So you know what? Good, good on you, Miller Lite. Have fun. Last thing, you need a brand uh, where people can uh, uh, people can see people who reflect you. I'm trying to remember exactly what she said. I was taking notes as she spoke there. Uh, people who reflect you. I've got bad news. Even with the massive social contagion that is the trans movement in America, and that's right, it's a social contagion. And contagion in this, in this context does not mean it's like contagious, like you catch transgenderism, transsexualism, or whatever. Not contagious like that, like you can pass the flu around. No, 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 no. It's a social contagion. It's a contagion because there are young people who see other people doing it and who are getting clicks and likes and all kinds of attention and, yes, contracts and payments from social media platforms because they are influencers and saying, I want some of that action. And no, I, I haven't felt like a boy for a very long time. I, look, I'm going to pay my nails. It's a social contagion. Less than one half of 1% of the United States population actually suffers from gender, gender dysphoria. Yet, a significant percentage of the Gen Z population is declaring themselves to be trans. Well, if only less than half of a percent have gender dysphoria, the other ones are what? They're faking it. They're attention seekers. Nothing more. They want likes. They want clicks. They want attention. And that's all. And that is who Joe Biden is targeting to win re-election. We'll be back. Tell me about the good old days Sometimes it feels like This world's gone crazy Yeah Yeah, it does Take me back to yesterday I'll tell you what Time may pass by and technology may advance, but that doesn't mean things get better as time goes on. It's a good song. It's well said. By the way, the opening, does anybody else picture Dennis Prager clad in armor 
riding a white steed and leading the battle into the uh, against the uh, the woke warriors. Every time I hear that intro, I just picture Dennis on a white horse. I don't know why. It's just that's the way I do. Welcome to hour three of the of the Dennis Prager Show. Bob France uh, sitting in from uh, Cleveland, Ohio, the ReliefFactor.com studios of AM 1420, The Answer, my uh, home base. And uh, you can listen to my program if you want to do it live between 9 and noon, right before Dennis comes on, 9 and noon Eastern time, that is, uh, at WHKRadio.com. You can also listen to it in podcast form. It's all posted there and listed after every show. So it's at WHKRadio.com. I always love speaking to Dennis Prager listeners when we're live, so I can speak to them in other times as well. So, uh I welcome you. I also welcome you to dial 877-243-7776. That's 8Prager776. And uh, there's a lot still to talk about in this hour. I want to uh, <clears throat> talk about the other side for just a moment, if I may. We have a video that I want to share with you of uh, Gavin Newsom running for president. Even though he's not announcing he's running for president, it's very similar to what Rich uh, Tim Scott. You know, he just produced his um, his video. I, I listened to it and watched it this morning. It's about three minutes and nine seconds long. It's very well produced. It's very well written. It's very well acted. It's very well scored. The whole thing is a great production. And you don't make those just to make the exploratory committee announcement. You make those when you're going to be president. That that was not cheap to do. He's going to run for president. Uh, there's no doubt about it, and so is Gavin Newsom. Whether Joe Biden announces his run for re-election or not, I think Gavin Newsom thinks that he can primary out the incumbent. I do. His ego is so big. His ego is almost as large as the tub of hair gel that sits in his bathroom. Uh, he, he feels like he's the man, and he's the man, the next generation of Marxist, uh, you know, globalist to take the, you know, take the baton from, from Joe Biden and run with it. I feel like that. So Gavin Newsom is going to run for president, I really believe, whether Joe Biden announces a run for re-election or not. And that's why he has launched this little, you know, this little tour of his in which he's going around to a bunch of red states and telling them how badly they're doing compared to him in his failing blue state of California. If you're watching on Salem News Channel or DennisPrager.com, watch this. If you're not, just listen to this. Let's be direct. We can't solve a problem without first identifying it. And the problem in our country right now, authoritarian leaders who are so hell-bent on gaining power <laughs> and keeping it by whatever means necessary that they're directly attacking our freedoms in state after state. That's why I'm launching the Campaign for Democracy. We're going on the road to take the fight to states where freedom is most under attack, where Republican leaders ban books, criminalize doctors, fire teachers, intimidate librarians, kidnap migrants, target trans kids, stoke racism, condone anti-Semitism, force the victims of rape and incest to carry their attacker's baby, where they ignore the will of the people and make it harder to vote and easier to buy assault weapons. They fan the flames of culture wars to distract from the fact that blue states have lower murder rates, better health care outcomes, and higher GDPs. We're going to these states and investing in people and organizations where they're fighting back. We know we have a big battle coming, which is why we'll help lead the fight to make sure we elect leaders in 2024 who believe in democracy. Our country is facing an existential battle for who we are and who we're willing to become. It's not an exaggeration. That's the truth. What's happening in those red states? <laughs> it's not who we are. 
It's un-American. It's undemocratic. And all it takes to fight back is a willingness to stand toe-to-toe and say enough. That's what the campaign for democracy is all about. We're doing this because, well, the future isn't just something that happens to us. It's something we can create. So join the movement. Join us at campaignfordemocracy.com. So there it is. <laughs> there's, uh, <laughs> there's Gavin Newsom's announcement of his run for the presidency. Oh, it's for the Campaign for Democracy PAC, which, of course, is going to fund his campaign for the presidency. And rather than going point by point and deconstructing the myriad of lies that he just presented, and they're all lies, I I just can't help but, but chuckle a little bit at the realization that Gavin Newsom, whose state is hemorrhaging population whose state has lost over 500,000 residents in the last two years in the last two years that's 21 and 22 and the pace in 2023 thus far is is the same over 500,000 residents where are they going why are they fleeing Gavin Newsom's Newsom's blue state of California and where are they headed and the answer is They're headed to Florida and to Texas, two red states that he condemned and criticized the most in his little video. I love that Gavin Newsom left California, where 500,000 people have deserted his state in the last two years, and traveled to Florida to criticize and condemn Ron DeSantis, whose state has gained more residents in the last two years than they have in over six decades. It was in the 1950s, the last time that the population of Florida was this high. Pop, Florida is booming as people come to a low-tax, freedom-supporting state like, California, or like, uh, like Florida under Governor Ron DeSantis. And I love that Gavin Newsom left his state where the people are fleeing to tell Ron DeSantis in his state where the people are moving how to do his job. So I'm just going to say very directly, it doesn't matter whether they drag the old, dead, deceased carcass of Joe Biden and prop it up like weekend at Bernie's in front of a po- or behind a podium for another run at this thing, or they got to go get new Marxist blood like that of Gavin Newsom. The Democrats will surround and circle whoever it is with all of the support they need. There will be no one saying, if it isn't my guy, I'm not voting. Or if it isn't my guy, I'm voting for the Republican. No one in the Democrat side will say that. But we have Republicans on that side saying the opposite. They're saying, if my guy Donald Trump isn't the nominee, I'm voting Democrat or I'm not voting at all. That has to stop. It's been one of the themes of the show today. I welcome your thoughts on it at 216, or excuse me, I started to give you the Cleveland phone number, 877-243-7776. That's 8-Prager-776. We'll go to the phones here. And this is going to be Tracy from Strongsville, Ohio. That's my neck of the woods. That's a hometowner. Hey, Tracy, welcome to the Dennis Prager Show. Go right ahead. Hey, Bob. Thank you. Thank you. I've spoken with you before from Cleveland, but I'm glad you're on Prager's show. So Gen Z, I have a couple Gen Z Z kids. They're on the right side of things, though, I'll proudly say. Good for you. I will just say that I think think we outnumber them, don't we? I mean, I don't know the actual statistics, but it would think between the boomers that are still with us 
in the millennium, um, not the millennials, Jesus, no, the Gen X, we should have more. There was a big birth decline, am I right? So we just need to get out and vote, <laughs> like, in mass. And what, we also have... Well, there there, may, there, there, no, just there, there may be... <clears throat> Still enough in the boomer generation and the Gen X generation, and quite frankly, in the older, the very earliest members of the millennial generation, they're much like the Gen Xers, and and they're they're not as crazy. The younger the younger millennials and obviously the Gen Zers are the ones who have been most impacted by this uh, indoctrination from the education to, to the well, social media and so on and so forth. Um, so we may outnumber them in in that regard, but not for long, not for long, because well, the more these right. Gen Zers that reach voting age, yeah, the more of them that reach voting age and the number of the boomers who start to age out and who start to, you know, they become a little bit less motivated to come and vote because they're just kind of living it out and running out the clock, if you will, that's a challenge for us. Well, you want to know, though, we also have, and it just reminds me of Animal Farm, right? Uh, Napoleon, you got all the, the pups to just do their bidding. And when I look at this movement that's going on, not just with the trans movement, but even with just Gen Z in general, right? They're angry because they've been fed this information for decades that is just completely wrong, just like Napoleon did in Animal Farm. And I have two kids, for example. I remember when Trump was elected. Tracy, Tracy, do me a favor. Tracy, Tracy, I need to put you on hold because I got a hard break here, but I don't want to end this call yet. So you stay there. I'll come right back to you on the other side. Bob Franson for Dennis. We'll continue. Twenty minutes past the hour. Thanks for being with us on the Dennis Prager Show. Bob France sitting in for Dennis in the relieffactor.com studios here in Cleveland, Ohio. For those watching on uh, uh, DennisPrager.com or on the Salem News Channel, yes, that would be me taking a drink from my Hillsdale College cup. It's my way of getting an opportunity to congratulate my daughter who is three weeks away from graduating from Hillsdale College with her degree in biology as she heads to the University of Tennessee at Knoxville to study law. Uh, So to her, to all of her Hillsdale friends and uh, fellow graduates and everyone else, congratulations on a phenomenal, phenomenal four years. Uh, I know your life was changed because you were at Hillsdale, all of you. And I don't get paid to say this. I'm just a Hillsdale dad and a proud one. And uh, this this glass is for you, uh, to all of the Hillsdale fellow Hillsdale moms and dads and students out there. So from Israel to Strongsville, Strongsville, Ohio, to be precise, I want to bring back Tracy. She was in the middle of a call when we hit our hard break, but I wanted to make sure she got a chance to tell me more about her two Gen Z children. Tracy, go right ahead. Okay, well, I remember when Donald Trump was elected, and I, I voted for him proudly. Uh, my daughter came home from school. She was about eighth grade. It's like, mom could not believe it. There was at least two teachers who said, if your parents voted for Donald Trump, they're racist. And I was, it was like the first time it really tipped me off. What is going on here? How is that even, that wasn't a thing when we grew up. I didn't even know my teacher's political ideologies. I didn't know their sexual preference. I didn't even know if they were married, for goodness sakes. It, it, it's utterly bizarre to me. And I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to say one more thing to you. She's Cleveland State, okay, nursing. She Congrats to your daughter. My daughter graduates in May for nursing. Awesome. And she just had this nursing question. It, it was like two weeks ago, and it said, how would she send it to me? She goes, I don't even know how to answer this, but if I don't answer it right, I'm getting an A in the class, and I'm afraid. 
I'm afraid. It literally said, how would you treat a member of the LGBTQ community differently than other patients? Uh, how is that even a how is that even a question? Yeah, well, it depends on what they're going for. Are they saying, will you treat them with respect and call them by the pronouns that they want, or would you treat them physically? Because a bylaw, you know, the, you know the, the message, Tracy, that they've been pushing since this whole thing began is that trans women are real women. So if a Ooh. trans woman, i.e. a man, comes into my office and says they wanted a pap smear, uh, I'm going to be saying, you know, no, you can't have a pap smear, you don't have you don't have female genitalia for crying out loud. You well, don't have you're so right. female re- reproductive parts. So, uh, if I, you know, my answer to her question is going to be: It depends on what they're there for. If they're there for something well, that I can treat their body for, I will treat them for that. If it's something that is imaginary, I will refer them to a psychologist down the hall. Well, I'm going to give this one last point to you, Bob, and I'll let you go. In terms of the Gen Zs, there are a lot of conservative kids in that Gen Z. But they do not speak up, and here's why. My daughter spoke up, all lives matter, when the George Floyd thing happened. I could not believe the hate she was getting from her peers. This is post-graduation, calling her a racist for saying all lives And, I mean, it was bad to the point she was afraid, oh, my gosh, what did I do? Am I going to get hired for a job? Is this going to affect me forever? And that right there, again, is that Napoleon fear from Animal Farm where they will not speak up because they're afraid of the violent mob who's out to ruin you. Yeah, that is the literal definition of domestic terrorism. Uh, terrorism, which is politically motivated and, ins- and uses violence or threats and intimidation to try to bring about a political outcome. That is exactly what you're, and thank you for the call, that's exactly what yep. your daughter was experiencing. Um, that is exactly what, um, and I'm unable to, yeah, there it goes. Uh, and uh, that's exactly what so many other kids, they're afraid to speak up because of what you just said. Number one, cancel culture. And number two, physical threats or social ostracization if they speak up for what they believe in. And uh, the, the, the crap that your daughter is going through by having to answer that question about how would you treat somebody differently? You know, if somebody is a, a lesbian or a homosexual male or whatever, then come in for treatment, they're going to get regular old treatment. But if somebody comes in with a dual personality or somebody comes in with a I'm, I'm, I'm non-binary, part of me is male, part of me is female, or part of me is neither one or any of the other myriad of, of, of ridiculous inventions that so many of these people are creating for social cred and, uh, and, uh, and more likes and clicks, I'm not going to play that game. And I don't care if I'm a doctor, I don't care if I'm a a coach, I don't care if I'm a teacher, a professor, I'm not going to play that game. I'm going to treat you like what you really are, not the game that you play that you say you are. You can play charades on your own time, not on mine. And that's just the way I feel about it. It's sad that many members of the Gen Z uh, generation will not have the ability to stand up like that because they're in the midst of it all. But that's, um, that's how I hope they, you know, the, the, my, this is what I meant when I said, how are we going to deal with this? We have to bring that knowledge to them. We have to bring that courage to them. We have to bring that support to them to tell them they don't have to play this game. They don't have to act a certain way. And then secondly, we need to use PragerU. I'll say it again. Use PragerU. It's a great way to help kids understand. Uh, let's go to, I'm not sure if it's Palabo. Um, I'm going to run with Palabo in Beverly Hills, California. Did I say your name there right? You, Is it go. Palabo? you got me right. You got it right. Easy to say, easy to remember. Hey, Beautiful. um couple of couple issues, too. Uh, by the way, when you describe him as greasy Gavin Newsom, you, I'm sorry, you, I, 
you lose me because I'm chuck- I'm laughing so hard. <laughs> I, I, I just it's what I think yeah, of when I when I see the hair gel. <laughs> Your uh, other well, characterizations. You. Well, you know, the Democrats can and will run a ham sandwich. And the, the thing is this, is that, uh, of course, it's, gonna, it's a mountain to climb for any any conservative. And I think that that the, Dem, the reason the Democrats fear Trump is they know that he actually can beat them in the general. That's why they fear him so much, because he can actually call them out. And he's also got such a track record of a tremendous success, lowest unemployment in history and so forth. Um, so the thing is, is that in general, any Republican is going to be savaged. So I don't care if it's, this is their history. If it's going to, if it's, if it's even the most vanilla Republican we can find, they're going to be savaged. And that's what they did to, uh, that's what, that, that's what they did, did to Mitt Romney. So, so really I need somebody who knows we, he can fight and somebody who's got, who's going to take his money and bypass the lane stupid slow republican party and get it done in the in the in the states where we need uh the where we need him to win which will be wisconsin maybe pennsylvania and arizona so so i don't i i I share all these concerns and just uh, but i have a really positive feeling that one trump is someone who will not let this slip by him this time and second because he's that determined and second of all I um I have a great great opportunity in in my Palabo Palabo I've got to go before I can hit number two with you there I'm up against the hard one we'll be right back after this Dennis Prager here thanks for listening to the daily Dennis Prager podcast to hear the entire three hours of my radio show commercial free every single day become a member of PragerTopia you'll also get access to fifteen years worth of archives as well as the daily show prep. Subscribe at PragerTopia.com. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com. 